0: Hello and welcome to episode seventy-nine of Tea or Books. I'm Simon. I'm Rachel. And we have a special guest, yay! <laughs> it, it, welcome, Lorna. Hello, I'm Lorna. <laughs> uh, Lorna is a good friend of mine and a new friend of Rachel's. Mm. Um, fan of the podcast. Um, tell the tell us about yourself.
1: Lorna. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> uh, I've known Simon since two thousand and seven. Five. Yes, that's terrible. (laughs) It's it's been a long time anyway. Um, From university and I've been a fan of the podcast since the beginning. I also did English at university, although I feel like I'm about to reveal my lack of knowledge (laughs) compared to these two.
0: Uh, And... Guys, we've got someone who knows what they're doing because um, is no. a broadcast journalist <laughs> She's slamming it here on our podcast.
1: It's <laughs> excellent technology. I'm enjoying it.
0: <laughs> yes, we're all, we're all in person together, unusually. We normally over over Skype, but we're all staring at a laptop together in <laughs> Rachel's beautiful flat. Oh, it, it is stunning. Just have some know? lovely apple cake as well. Yeah. Well, Rachel. thanks
1: very much. And cups of tea. Yes. So as I pointed out, we are actually having tea and books today, yes. which is against yeah. the spirit of the podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: Both uh, in today's episode, we will be looking uh, at political books yeah. yes or no and then in the second half we're going to do the shortest ever inverted commas book we've ever done <laughs> <laughs> Bookshop Memories by George Orwell or six pages of it versus <laughs> The Diary of a Bookseller by Sean I'm going to say Blythal?
1: I think Any so I, yes I called it Blythal the other day and then ri- actually read the word yes, inside, yeah. I guess. it's definitely not um, Blythal
0: <laughs> B-Y-T-H-E-L-L spell it however you like yeah. Sorry, Sean, Sean no, if, if you're, you're listening <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, as always, we'll talk about the books we're currently reading. Um, Rachel, why don't you kick us off? What are you reading? How okay. are you doing?
2: Um, well, I haven't been reading an awful lot lately because it's just been insane at work. I've had Ofsted. Um, oh. other, te- other teachers listening will know the hell. Um, but I um, I just finished yesterday, Whose Body? We read oh. Dorothy Al Sayers. For oh. well, the, well, so the next episode. For the next episode. Which I'm forcing Simon to read. Oh yeah, because you don't like your well I've only
1: I've only read Gordy Night but I loved it. Oh I hate it. Yeah, point. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to
2: see whether your opinion changes. Mm. So I've just reread that and I'm still reading I think I mentioned last time I'm reading that Polish Oh book.
0: yeah. Oh yes. Yeah.
2: The plough over the bones of the dead. Yes. yes which is very good. And I asked um, a friend at work who was half Polish how to pronounce her name and mm. she said it's Olga Takarshuk. Takashuk. That's because pretty much what you said, right? C and Z make a shuk.
0: i believe you
2: so yeah that's what i'm reading what about you
0: um i'll go next i well as you may or may not know november is german literature month
2: I it, didn't I know. know. Unless, According
0: to whom? I don't know actually. Mm. And in Germany i think it's Just <laughs> Literature Month. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it
1: is it one of these things run by the German Embassy Goethe
0: Institute or something? Um, probably. I think it's actually run by a book blogger. No less valid
1: for that. No, not uh,
0: I didn't really I'd forgotten this existed until about a week ago. And I, I think it's a book blogger who runs it. Sorry, I don't remember who you are, but I could maybe put a link in the notes. Um and <laughs> I was looking around my shelves thinking I must have some German authors and I wanted to do one that had a name in the title for yeah. my project names. So I'm reading... Was that <laughs> 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 Um So I am reading The Quest for Krista T by Krista Wolf. Oh, okay. Uh-huh.
2: okay. I'm
0: really enjoying it. It's a modern classic. Yeah,
2: um, I recognise the name actually. Yeah, so it
0: was published in the 60s and it reprinted in the in fact, in 1982, so the back still says she is one of the foremost writers of East Germany. Ah, so
1: period. Back, back, back when it, it. was East yeah. Germany. Is uh, it about life in East Germany?
0: Um, no, it starts off in Nazi Germany. Okay. And um, at the moment, I think it's early 50s. Uh, and it's sort of this woman who's just remembering her friend Krista and, sort of, and describing her bit in a very like abstract mm. way. So you're sort of putting together pieces. It's very well written yeah. and I'm really enjoying it.
1: I'm trying um, to think of German authors I have read.
0: I oh, know I couldn't come up with many. No,
1: um, does Judith Carr Carr count?
0: Oh, she? Did. Well, I, I think she was originally. Yeah. Well, except she, she escaped escapes.
1: quite early, didn't yeah. she? Yeah, I think the yeah, Tiger Game City. When When was stole Pink Rabbit, that was brilliant. Oh, Christabel Balintberg. Oh, I read her. I read that. Yes, that was
0: good. Goethe, I guess. I've never read it. No, me neither. No. I'm sure we should have. Sorry, sorry, Goethe, if you're listening. Lorna, what are you reading?
1: Uh, I am actually uh, about, well, not too far into um, David Sedaris's early-ish diaries, uh, um, Theft by Finding. Um, And I came to David Sedaris pretty late, mainly because of his um, programmes on Radio 4, Mm -hmm. which are just so laugh out loud, and always think of him as a laugh out loud writer. But actually, the diaries, particularly because it's talking about the early part of his life, when he was a student, and he didn't have very much money, and he was taking a lot of drugs, and it's—they're actually incredibly cla- claustrophobic. You feel—you oh, really? really feel the desperation. He doesn't really have very much money. He sort of goes fruit picking. He hitchhikes because this is the sixties and seventies, and people yeah. actually hitchhike, which just makes me really nervous <laughs> even reading about. Um, and. It's actually not particularly funny, but it is fascinating. Mm. I just sort of keep wanting to skip ahead to, to his later life when he meets Hugh and has a, <laughs> a lovely life in Paris, and because I kind of want to read about that. But it's sort of enlightening and weird to kind of get this backstory mm. of how sort of um, difficult, in a funny way, possibly through his own mistakes, <laughs> his life
0: was. You did write a story about the fruit picking and the hitchhiking, which is... Really? It's, it's, called, it's, it's called like co. Or COP, it spells out something, and I can't right. remember what it stands for. And I actually there was a film with Jonathan Groff that I watched in your flat in, in Washington DC while oh, you really? were at work. Right, I was going to say I don't I
2: remember
0: that. <laughs> and last time I came here, Rachel, I bought David Sedaris's *The by Finding* yeah. on that bookshop boat. <gasps> oh, that's yeah. brilliant! Yeah, Viking boss.
1: Yeah. By yeah. Well, I would recommend it. But as I say, it's, I mean, that he talks quite a lot about drug taking as well. Which, you know, not it's a not fan. No, yeah, well, no yeah. I wouldn't say I was. <laughs> yeah, um, I
0: do find it hard to read about.
1: Yeah, yes. exactly. So I, I'm being very good at not skipping ahead. Um, but I would rather get to the sort of jolly, more settled parts of his, his, his existence. <laughs> Although I'm actually not sure how far the diaries go up. It does say on the front cover, but I can't remember. But, yeah. Um, but it, what, I suppose what is also so striking is that even in sort of clearly desperate and relatively drug addled times his writing is beautiful (laughs) and um, unusual the way he sort of observes people and also it seems to go out of his way to observe people in situations where I would just leave (laughs) (laughs) particularly hitchhiking (laughs) I've
2: never read anything Uh, by him
0: uh, the first one I read was dress your family in corduroy and denim that I got in a secret centre uh, my book club. And I did not read the blurb. I thought I'd start this. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a novel about a young girl and then turned out to be <laughs> his own memoir. Or but, yeah. but in lots of... So he always has different isolated incidents per yeah. chapter. So it was jumping... I was very confused about why it was jumping all over the place and the people seemed to be changing. And then discovered in fact, was not at all what I thought. But he's very funny. Yeah, I enjoy him. And...
1: and- reads out his own work incredibly well on Radio 4 as well mm. yeah yes. I, I, I don't yeah.
0: like listening to comic writing because I want to do the comic timing myself mm. even though he wrote it and presumably right. that's what he's doing <laughs> <Hopefully we laughs> <know. Just laughs> saying no great well in the first half we are doing um, one of those, those things we so often do where Rachel and I pick a topic we know nothing about <laughs> 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 but well, no, I won't say too much about what an expert Lorna is yet. Well, I'm but... This is the n- I
2: really don't think I am anyway.
0: <laughs> so, let's all talk about the l- most recent political book we read first before we go any further. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I think,
2: first of all, we need to define... Well, yeah. we to... how loosely can we define... <laughs> well, because, you know, some people would say that everything is political. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank yeah. you, Dr. Johnson. No, you're, <laughs> welcome.
2: you're welcome. Um are welcome. Are we... Would we count it? Are we counting non-fiction and fiction, or are we saying I politics? I think so. And well, nonfiction? I was going to say I
1: think there are some novels that are, could be seen as campaigning novels, or, mm, or you true. know, fiction mm-hmm. with a purpose, um, which may well be political. In which case, yeah, as yes, you say, that massively yeah. widens yeah. the genre <laughs> all of <Yeah>. a sudden. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, most recent one.
0: Well, I can jump in. <laughs> you, first, go, you go. You go. So. So I was thinking originally in my head non-fiction and I have read yeah. I think two political <laughs> books so, um, and the more recent of those was M- Becoming by Michelle Obama uh, which yes. was wonderful. I yes. listened to the audiobook read by Michelle herself
3: Oh, right. and okay. she's a
0: very good reader uh, and you've read it. I have also know, read you? it, yes. Yeah. Um, have you read Becoming? No. A little shake it for the head from Rachel it's a podcast here. Yeah, <laughs> things to be out loud. Um, and it, it's a very sort of clear-sighted I thought view of Um, every step from her childhood through to life in the White House. And she doesn't really sugar the pill. Not at all. She's very clear that she didn't want Brack to become president. That was a bit...
1: I was most surprised, but I suppose obviously it was written after, um, or certainly published after Mm. they had stopped um, being in the White House, um, which made it a lot easier to admit those kinds of things. But it would be so easy to have... Roast into spectacles and, mm, and even mm. with in your own mind, gloss over how little you actually wanted that life yeah, or yeah. um, but she she doesn 't pretend at all um, and also I think the difficulty she had uh balancing her own career with motherhood and and what she wants out of life that was the thing I took away from it most was how um honest with herself she was, considering the hard work that it took for her to get from her, the background that mm. she grew up in on the mm. south side of Chicago, to Princeton and to uh, an incredibly good law firm where she was making really good money, which she thought was what she wanted from life and certainly was what her parents wanted for her. To, to then have the, the self-awareness to realise that actually that isn't making you happy and you want to mm. do a bit more with your life and give back some more. Um, and then not only that, but then to do something about it because you know it would be easy to realise that but then think, oh, but I need the money, so I'm just going to go along and squash yeah. that. It's really impressive and she writes about that dilemma so well and how she went about solving it so well. And I suppose meeting Barack Obama was actually a big part of why she mm. then Who, did take that that, that part. She
0: was his boss for a while. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. yeah. So yeah, it was a good
1: job. She did work in the law firm when she did for that at least true. some of the
0: time. Um, and have you read any of Barack Obama's books?
1: I have read Dreams from My Father, which again is... Um, I think I, I started The Audacity of Hope, but that was written after... Uh, I think he was running
3: for the okay. president or he
1: knew he was going to be running at least uh, for Senate, I think, by that point. So it's much less honest, I think, or certainly much less... Um, no, no, not honest, Unguarded. that's not fair. But exactly. Yes, yeah. um, Dreams from My Father is particularly... I think, I think what has been picked up on the press is that he's quite honest about the fact that he you know, smoked cannabis and, and tried various drugs. Um, but it's also a, a very, yeah, unvarnished account of his childhood and the difficulties he faced and dilemmas he had about um again being mixed race and and what he wanted to do with his life as a result and whether he should give something back or just make loads of money in law I and mean, it's striking actually when you think about it that they both did have the same yeah,
3: yeah
1: the same dilemmas um but yeah it's just it, it there are a few very few politicians who come to politics with that account of their life already out there in the world That's so yeah. uh so openly which, in a way, maybe is a good thing, because it kind of gets a lot of that out of the way.
0: Yeah, yeah well, that's true. It's not going to be There's no,
3: no skeletons Trudeau
1: in the colours. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that was one of the striking things about Obama in office, was how few scandals he had. Yeah. And yeah. maybe it was partly because the one thing that might have been a problem for him was already out there. Yeah, that's true. Um, although, I think the smoking... He technically, I think, still smoked in the White House, although Michelle tried to make him stop.
0: Oh, I yes, Michelle on have have come Right, energy. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a controversial, you know, digging vegetables. Mm-hmm. thing which people <laughs> yeah. are horrified about for some reason. She's quite witty about that. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, have you had any time to think what your most recent political book is? Um,
2: well, I mean, it's not explicitly political in in the sense of about, uh, by a, a person in politics, but I did read um, a book my friend Catherine, who lives in New York, recommended to me when she was visiting me this summer. It's called Just Mercy, um, and I'm looking up at my shelf to see mm. the name of the man. Oh, I see Brian it. something. I can't read it from here. Um, so Lorna's checking. Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Thank Very you. Um, which is about uh, a lawyer, a black lawyer in America, who was so incensed by the treatment, the um, unfair treatment of black people in the criminal justice system in America, and he founded a charity that basically tries to support people who've been placed on death row. Um, black prisoners who've been placed on death row based on very flimsy evidence Mm. and often Mm. cases that have been racially motivated Um, and it made me very angry reading it and amazing again that somebody who could be making a lot of money in the legal profession agreeing to live what is quite a poverty stricken and stressful life in order to help people so yeah it's pretty incredible and also frightening to think of how many people are stuck in a system that is still held up by racism, essentially.
0: I would definitely come out of. I was going to say, that one. sounds good yeah, It cool, yeah. But, yeah. sounds really good. I
2: highly recommend it. Mm. It's a quick read, um, but a really powerful one. Yeah. And I don't normally read books like that, but my friend was saying, like, you have to read this. I said, like, okay, okay, I'll read it. Um, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, similarly, I read um, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, by uh, Red Yellow, yeah. Large. Yeah, yeah
1: so I want yeah. to read that.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So it's, uh, for those who don't know, it's uh, written by a black English writer, and it's about so it's probably about the civil rights history of the UK and then about um, how feminism has often been white feminism through the history of feminism in this mm-hmm. country etc and I think uh, certainly my education was when we talked about uh, civil rights movements it was all about South Africa or about America it was not really ever about England so no, that, or mm-hmm. the UK so yeah it was really um, intriguing uh, and really, really well written and also less it's Particularly, the opening less personal than I thought it would be. It's much more ob- objective, which I, I don't know, was interesting because I was expecting it to be more like a memoir, I guess. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily bad that it's one or the other, but. It's more sort of essay stuff. Yeah, or... I guess so. At the beginning, it's openly more like a historian, I guess, yeah, like yeah, a social right. historian. And then it gets, m- there are certainly more personal elements, but I did think it was, um, I don't know, it was interesting that she felt that it had to have that more objective mm. stance to start off with in a way that. Maybe a white man would feel <laughs> writing that sort of book. They need to be objective. Yeah. yeah.
1: Did that come out after the? I know I don't know how to pronounce his name. Tennessee Coates. The two of me, because I mean that was a similar part memoir, part essay. Again, about about racism in America, which I think changed a lot of people's thinking. Made a big going back to what you were saying about how it made you think about the history of racism here. Small Island by Andrew Levy Ooh, was one. Yeah. I, I mean, I read that years oh, ago, but it's brilliant. And that was one, again, as you say, growing up, it's particularly good, the sorts of backgrounds we came from. Mm. We both grew up in rural area. Well, the same rural area, yes. actually. Yeah. <laughs> although we didn't know each other. But, <laughs> um, and it wasn't really, to be honest, an issue that we were taught about or made to think about yeah. very much. And it was really reading that book made me realise the deep history of racism in this country. Um,
0: so yeah, this we sort of that
1: class of, was the issue exactly, here and racism exactly, in America, yeah, and it's obviously not um, true. And uh, that was, I think that was quite an important one for me, but also just a, a really brilliantly written book. Although
0: I haven't seen the play, I
1: think it was a play
2: of it. Uh, yeah, Island, it was excellent, I? actually. Really, really, really good. Yeah. national, yeah.
0: I always get it mixed up with The Island by Victoria Hislop, which, I mean, I've read neither of them. <laughs> that was a very different yeah. one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, that book's shared about left colonies. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Okay. I have read that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was quite different. Never happened to Victoria Hislop. She's still
1: around? Yeah, she wrote... Lo- I think she wrote a sequel to that, which I
3: haven't
2: read. I don't know. Yeah. It's not really my cup of tea. No, to be it's
1: honest, it's a, a beach, beach a, It's a very it's a much a beach, beach bird, really.
0: okay. Um
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a lovely... ...kind of thing. I would stick my nose out. Yeah, we're <laughs> <laughs> too good for it, which we get it, okay?
0: <laughs> so we've talked a bit about non-fiction. Uh, well, I suppose that what you just mentioned is fiction, isn't it? But yeah. But yes. Yeah. Um, and
1: also quite a lot of American books, actually, without... Mm. And books mm. about American politics. Perhaps that's easier to talk about because mm. it's more removed and perhaps less awkward for English
3: people to
1: talk <laughs>
2: about, is it. about it <laughs> and there's, there's a huge slew of books about Brexit and all that right. sort of stuff that's oh, yes. out at the moment but the thing is I don't want to read about it yeah. I feel I'm sick and tired of hearing about it and I don't find books that analyze the time in which I'm living particularly mm. I don't think I can relate to them as much because I think well that's not my perspective of, of things I think I need a little bit of historical perspective to be able to think about politics I don't know why
1: I think you're right that actually a lot of the ones that were written either contemporaneously or straight afterwards won't necessarily be as well they will be valuable for historians to see yeah. what people were thinking of but in terms of having a considered view of what happened, exactly you don't um, get that perspective but one I really did enjoy um was unleashing demons by craig oliver which is his diary so he ran the remain campaign Oh,
2: you're
1: right. Uh, which for anyone who didn't know did not, did not succeed <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> um, so he was obviously working very closely with uh, David Cameron, but also with uh, people in Labour and um, I guess the Lib Dems as well. Um, and it is a fascinating account, obviously very self-justificatory, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but really fascinating behind-the-scenes account of you know what may or may not have got ro- gone wrong as far as he mm-hmm. is concerned. And I think. A lot of it was the diaries were written contemporaneously. I mean, we have no way of knowing how much he went back and yeah, yeah. fiddled with afterwards. But um, Although I found it really fascinating, but I read some reviews which hated it, mainly because of how he always seems to come out well, <laughs>
3: right.
0: surprisingly. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: which is hard to do in a campaign that ultimately failed. <laughs> um, yes, that's
0: a very good point. But it
1: was... It, particularly because I wasn't actually living in this country when the campaign was happening so I did miss a lot of the sort of little ins and outs of every day lovely. right I know I'm it sure was, you were yeah. really thrilled by <laughs> us at the time as well but it did mean that a lot of stuff I just didn't know about yeah, yeah.
3: Um,
1: so I did which I did find quite surprising um, in terms of who would campaign with whom and who yeah. wouldn't and why you know there were certain disagreements and, and when you read that you suddenly start to think mm. well, yes perhaps there was a reason that yeah. <laughs> things didn't go so well I, feel,
0: yeah, I think I'm a viewer I mean, I haven't read any books about Brexit or about any contemporary things and that's partly because I read The Guardian most days (laughs) and, I I mean, obviously that's a very left-wing viewpoint for those who don't know The Guardian. It's it's a left-wing newspaper. I read it online. But, um, I'm getting all this information every day about Brexit Mm. but I don't feel like I need to think oh you know what I've not read about recently yeah
2: Brexit (laughs) Uh, (laughs) when you're living through something I don't think you know there's you're so in your own head about it and it's an emotive thing isn't it Mm. and I don't think you can be objective but also I just don't I don't tend to find political writing explicitly political writing that interesting Um, I don't find politics in general interesting which is terrible when you say political writing do you mean
1: political writing with a certain viewpoint, trying to put across a certain um, political I mean, idea, like writing, about writing about politics, politics in general, and the yeah. working
2: of politics and people in politics, I, I doesn't interest me because yeah. I just find.
1: I you know. see that's the thing. I maybe it's partly because of my job, but I have always. And my my mother always loved those kinds of books as well, and would devour the review section of the Sunday newspapers. And, and as a result, I suppose I've always grown up kind of loving that I hesitate to say gossipy side of politics yeah. but yeah. the stories of what's going on um is what really yeah. fascinates me and what is going on behind closed doors and who's saying what to whom I just and that's what you to, get from
2: those yeah words. yeah no absolutely and I think it is interesting sometimes I mean my parents read that kind of stuff as well um but I suppose I don't, I just find them all a lot of people in politics just so odious it <laughs> just think yeah. you know, you're not doing this for the people you're doing this for yourselves it
1: can I'm sure it can make you Skeptical, if not cynical. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the, thing, the thing I find with the idea of reading those sorts of books is that the level of knowledge I have about who people are in politics, mm, it, right. if it's they're it, not the big it names, it is like a soap opera. Yeah. And if
1: you don't know who the characters exactly. are, then why would you bother tuning in? Yeah. I don't want
0: to, all the. All the alternative is you get like them trying to explain to you trade agreements in simple terms or something mm. it's like I don't right. know what that is either yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, one, the type that really doesn't appeal to me I don't know if this is something you do like as a, as a historian is this mm. ones are like those sort of 800 page books about Pitt the Younger or something is that oh is no, that I know I should do Um so does not appeal at all to me I think
1: but. it depends how well they are written um, like that sounds really simplistic but <laughs> I mean yeah. some can read really thrillingly i think there was there's one um about georgiana duchess of devonshire for example i mean that's mm. like if she was political um that was really brilliantly written and i loved but, something. Uh, amanda foreman yeah. yes um i
0: think
1: that's right yeah, that's yeah.
0: Right.
1: um but then if i were a real uh historian or a real political scientist whatever i would want to devour say i mean another one for example is robert carrow's one about lyndon johnson which is this huge doorstep oh. and is apparently amazing but it's so long and it's so big <laughs>
0: my friend Kirsty and i did book or well, my whole office at, at oxford dictionaries did book bingo once where you got a spreadsheet and everyone had different ones and you had to read different books it'd be like a blue book or a book starting with r you cross them all off and one of them was a presidential biography oh gosh okay. it was an american thing not autobiography um, biography, biography. Well, right, i think okay. you probably could have counted an autobiography right. uh, we um, both had that, and, ours and not everyone did. And we both read a children's book called "Who Was Abraham Lincoln," <laughs> <laughs> in which I learned, I think, maybe two facts about him. One mm-hmm. that he, his, he had the strength of ten men. Oh. I'm sure, <laughs>
1: definitely, um, empirically, yeah, yeah. right. true. <laughs> One
0: that not only was he honest Abe, his father was also the most honest person that anyone knew. Oh, right. So there you go. Two
1: right.
0: things. So? I thought that was.
1: Oh yeah, was. Is it George Washington was also very
0: honest? honest? Well, yes, he would rather cut down a thousand trees. Et
1: tell- yes. No a cherry tree. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it, oh no, was it? No, his teeth he were com- made of cherry. Well, wood. he confessed
0: to his dad. That <laughs> Sorry, Americanism. As we do
1: not know. <laughs> I,
0: as I understand it, he confessed to his, and I got this from Just Williams. So this that. may not be true. He, uh, <laughs> I love
1: that. It's so educational. Where it's from <laughs> <laughs> He confessed
0: to his dad that he cut down a cherry tree, and his dad said, "I'd rather you cut down a thousand cherry trees oh, and tell Delaware." I see. Oh,
1: I didn't hear, hear that part of the
0: story. <laughs> And someone had someone had teeth made of wood, didn't they? Yeah, was that, that was him. him. We've seen Possibly them. Did a, you not
1: come to Mount Vernon with me? I'm pretty sure that no. Yeah, no, we
0: went to um, Sleigh Burner Guy. Oh, place. Monticello. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, um, we did. Sleigh slave Guy is how from a projection. <laughs> I mean, not, inaccurately.
1: <laughs> not in Not unfair,
0: but probably also doesn't divide him from many other. Um, <laughs> yes, contemporaries. Anyway, um, USA, USA. Yeah. Uh, uh, f- fiction. <laughs> um fiction, you you as when um, just now you mentioned Marie Janeski's. Yes, literature.
2: so she's got a couple of overtly political books, which are um, Tory Heaven, which was recently republished by Persephone, which is a a kind of spoof, really, of what they're on a. There's a, a group of people on a desert island. Yeah, that's right. And um, while they're on the desert island, there's a, an election and. Um, What, amongst themselves? Sort of Lord of the Flies? No, back in England. And then they get rescued and taken back to England. And they get off the boat. And somehow some trick of time and the universe has happened in between leaving um, the island and arriving. And what was the conservative... No, the socialist government has become conservative or
0: something and this is the post-war socialist government post-war, and they sort of yeah. changed their mind uh, everyone back. changed um, their mind to go
2: back and everybody's now separated by class and if you're an A you this you mm. get to live with these people and, and you get to have a servant and you, don't, and you get given money every month to do what you like and if you're a C you have to be a servant or something and is this so, what
1: she genuinely thought might have happened if Winston Churchill won in 9.5 or is it no, just course it's, of taking it's more, it to the nth degree kind
2: it's, of thing yeah it's it's more basically poking fun at conservative values right right um, and it's very that funny sounds brilliant, it's very brilliant? funny um, and it's also very funny in showing actually that the person who most was the most upset about socialism and wanted um, to have a conservative government and benefits from conservative policies, when he comes back to England, actually realises by the end of the book that he, he would rather things be socialist than not, because his life actually isn't that great, because he can't do anything. Can't right. talk to anyone can't outside, talk, he can't you know. talk to anyone outside of his class. Oh, I see. So you very strict. Yeah, and yeah. his parents decide they don't want to be class A, they want to be class B, because um. they want to be able to, um, I can't remember the things they can't do, but, but they they want they can't speak to their friends anymore, and they, they want to speak to their friends. And, um, and When so. was it written? the Forties, I think. Yeah, that's really good. And then Love on the Super Tax. I can't read so long ago. I can't remember what it's about, but I remember it's again. It's it's she was a socialist, and I think her uncle or her husband's uncle, <coughs> Harold Lasky, he was a prominent economist and wrote lots of um, books about socialism and things like mm. that. So. Um, yeah, those are really, really good books.
0: Yeah, that was, I assume, and I've not read Love on the Doll by Walter Greenwood, but I assume yeah. it's sort of. Oh, yeah, it's a, a play on that. It's a so play. On that. Um, And it's, it, I think it's, What is super tax?
1: Because that's a thing of Monopoly. <laughs>
0: it's like the top, basically the top, top level. level of tax. You yeah, should probably um, know this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we still have it. I was going to say, yes, it, still it was a big thing at one point. Yeah. And it, and the idea in that novel, it sort of puts on its head, and it becomes more disgraceful to be the rich this yeah, well, very rich woman starts dating a poor man. And then yeah. he's, she's very, they're very embarrassed when he goes when she goes to tea with him because she doesn't know how to behave in the correct way, etc. Um, no. I can't remember all the ins and outs, but it's very mm, cleverly done. It yeah. was her first novel, I think. Oh right, yeah,
2: it's quite an early one. I do not yeah. think Persephone did you publish that one. Not
0: yet, not yet. No. Um, yeah. What. I was just thinking, I don't, I've not, not read them, but the Palliser Novels are sort of the quintessential yes. political oh, novels no, by no, Truller. Well no. yeah. oh, you <laughs> yeah. have read them. You can yeah. talk about them. Yeah. Go.
2: Well, I've read them a very <laughs> long time ago, but they are very good. And again, the most frightening thing about them is how modern they, they oh, feel really? when you meet really? them. They just think nothing has changed. Like everyone basically jostling behind the scenes mm. and betraying people that they've right. promised allegiances to and um, people signing up or supporting things that they don't believe in, but they, they know will further their career. And trying to get the wind of where where things are going so you want to make sure you you know shackle yourself to the right um to the right cause and yeah it's very it's very funny it's funny but also disturbing and Mm -hmm. again that's what I love about Trollope all of his characters feel so modern Mm -hmm. when you read them and yeah, it's it's really interesting how basically I mean, and also, our, our, really, our politics hasn't changed much since the nineteenth century. It's still predominantly, right. predominantly women. Uh, sorry, predominantly men. <laughs> <wish it> <laughs> uh, predominantly men, um, and predominantly people from a particular class. And you know, that's yeah. that's what is often quite disturbing about reading nineteenth-century political mm. novels when you realise. And of course, Disraeli himself was a right on the Indeed, and right, and Sybil. Coneyby, yeah. Sybil. Really yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody. No, does anyone read? Really, you know, it's a shame <laughs> he's become like Walter Scott. Um, <laughs> apparently, his his books were very good, but i I've. I've not ever read any. my parents definitely had them at home but i oh,
0: can't yeah, remember ever being tempted to from. take them off the shelf <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and whenever we diss off walter scott we get complaints from oh him. really <laughs> oh right that's not an expression <laughs> <off.
1: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> sounds ruder than it does actually this, yeah. give this
0: one of pg rating
3: <laughs>
1: that's really it was interesting though what you were saying about Marguerite lasky because i wonder whether i mean it would be, be obvious why but at, it, at the end of the 40s when you think about um, things like Animal Farm in 1984 mm. as well. There was obviously a real vogue for those sorts of political allegory yeah, kind point. of books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and be- I suppose, you- and then you could say before that, um, well, much before, campaigning novels were a thing. So mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could say Dickens, yeah, Zola, perhaps, to some extent, Gelli, yeah. George Eliot, exactly. So they weren't necessarily overtly political, but there was a very obvious political message. And I was I was thinking about this and trying to think if there were any these days. And I, do, I don't think you get them so much because I wonder mm. whether things like film and television have taken over that role. So, something like I, right. Daniel Blake. Yeah, because I was going to say mm. Ken Loach exactly. but, things, yeah. and, and whereas once upon a time, maybe Ken Loach, if he'd lived in the 19th century, would have been a Dickens, mm-hmm. is now a film director, and it's just the, the medium has changed. something like Cathy Come Home, for example, mm. in the 70s, mm-hmm. rather than that be a book, it was a, yeah. t- a TV programme. So That's a
3: good
1: point.
2: Uh, well, I think there are a few, I mean, I've noticed a few books lately that have come out about the state of things in England. I haven't mean, I mm. read them, so um, I can't remember the name of the author, but I can see the cover of the book. It's called Middle England. Yes, Jonathan I can, Cohn. Yeah, Jonathan I love May. Jonathan
1: Coe, And he um, was actually the exception to the rule that I was thinking yeah. of, is okay. that um, I was trying to think of ones, that, as you say, the State of the Nation novels. Mm. Ian McEwan, actually, I think has written one now about Brexit, but I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do wonder whether Brexit will actually start bringing these people out the woodwork more and we will start to see more of those kinds of
0: books. Ali Smith, her series of yes. spring and winter mm. and autumn and Whatever. That's not the correct order that they go. Um, <laughs> uh, I've not read any of them, but I do have exactly. autumn and the, uh, what, one of them is it autumn is the Brexit novel, winter. One of them is a Brexit novel. Mm. Yeah, yeah I'm I mean sure there are. Be a genre yeah, yeah. whether the people will want to read them in what years exactly, to come. Right? Well, exactly.
2: Yeah. But I think they're going to be an interesting slice of. Opinion as to what people were thinking. You know, obviously, most of these novelists who are writing about Brexit are going to be liberal, aren't they? So you're going to mm. get well. This and this is the other thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. You would get a particular viewpoint. And Jonathan Coe, to be fair, has been writing those kinds of novels for years. And yeah. the Rotter's Club, which absolutely is a real sort of takedown of Thatcherism, mm. um, and. I, I really enjoyed Middle England, but it did feel a bit clunky to me mm. in terms of hitting you over, head, over the head with every single issue that the country yeah. is facing facing yeah. yeah. is, is somehow has to be brought in <laughs> and the characters will have to, you know, there has to be something about refugees and there has mm. to be something about this. And yeah. be, you know, um, But what I liked was that, that it is the same characters from the Rotters Club and the Close oh, Circle right. and it, it's sort of imagining what they would be doing now. And that is actually really interesting because, yeah, it's taking someone from the Thatcher era and imagining how mm-hmm. they would react to, to events now, which is
0: an interesting exercise. And do we think they have any effect? I was thinking, mm. um, recently I was reading about 1930s divorce law, as you do, <laughs> <laughs> um, and AP Herbert, who was, I think, an MP or maybe a Lord, but he was very big in campaigning to change uh, divorce law so that women could divorce men without them having committed incest or what sort of thing mm. um, and he wrote a novel that I can now not remember the name of or maybe a play but certainly a piece of fiction that was very big at the time and was very big in driving public demand for change mm. in already um, bringing it together in a way that I people like Jonathan Coe and Ian McEwan mm. largely writing to people who already agree with I was going to say I think mm.
1: it's very much an echo chamber isn't mm. it um, unfortunately which is perhaps a, um, the problem of our times that mm. we all in the same way that people read and watch what they want yeah. when it comes to the news, um, even increasingly so even in the UK, probably it's the same with fiction. You are drawn mm-hmm. to... Yeah,
2: the stuff that re- you know reflects your own experiences. Mm. I mean, all of culture is self-selecting, isn't it? Mm. And, like, the theatre, I would say, is the most political mm. domain that we have. And yes. there's always something, you know. And, and the thing is with theatre, I was actually... I had a, a playwright visit school last week, and one of the things she said is, the great thing about theatre as opposed to writing novels is that you can you can instantly react to things because yeah. a play can be written in stage within a couple of months, whereas mm-hmm. a novel, the process of getting that published yeah. takes two years. So you can put stuff on the stage that is a response to a referendum that happened three mm. months ago. You can put stuff that, you know, the downfall of a particular figure you can see happening on stage. And there's been a lot of um, theatre productions normally, you know, off West End or Mm. Off-Broadway that have dealt with things to do with Trump, things to do with Boris Johnson.
0: And if you're a relatively wealthy Londoner, you can <laughs> go and see
2: these things. <laughs> so, you know there are the National Theatre does a lot of stuff like that, and their tickets mm. are cheap. Yeah.
0: True, and there are good schemes for people under twenty-five. Yeah, I think theatre
2: actually is is having a word with itself about that a lot. Yeah. and
0: um, <laughs> yeah.
1: things are getting definitely are getting better. I think is as much as anything else, an image problem, and people mm. yeah. sort of self-selectingly not going because yeah. they're it's cheaper just don't think than it's a football for their... match. I guess. Right, so, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, and how cheap can you make it when right, you think that many people's livelihoods live need yeah. Supported. So, and that's I mean that is kind of something that I guess we'll talk about later with the diary of a bookseller that we're mm. going to talk about is how much people value art and how much people think they should be paying for mm. things right. mm. because you know the amount of people who say to me oh well I don't want to pay £20 for a theatre ticket they, well you know you've got 20 people on stage who are spending three hours of their life performing that for you how much do you think that's worth? Mm-hmm. And you pay 15 pounds for the cinema now Works. <laughs> yeah, i sound like such an old lady used <laughs> 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 you to okay. be a $5, <laughs> <10 that?
0: shillings. laughs> um, so we cover lots of examples and yeah. um, things but are there other are reasons why we think we wouldn't want to read say political fiction the reasons we want to keep politics out of fiction
2: well i mean i actually quite enjoy reading about political stuff from previous eras because i think it teaches you a lot about what what was current in people's minds what people were concerned about mm. and often things that have become completely obsolete in our culture <laughs> or things that we've never even heard of say so for example if you read middlemarch and you have references in there to corn laws and mm. things a lot of mm. people will be thinking well what the hell is that but for people at that time in history, it was the only thing they were talking about. It was their Brexit. I was going to say, it was. And, very, and to this day, I'm Brexit. a member
0: of the Anticorna. <laughs> 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 yeah. 81 shillings a quarter, I <laughs> Oh, look <laughs> at I <guess>. you. Yeah, <laughs> that was what, so, what, so, what was so like cool. to the Chartists? Yes, I was so going to now. say, was, we all know about the Chartists, don't we, yes, Simon? It was just the one bit of history I remembered from school. But. When
1: Simon and I met, it was on a sort of house party, away weekend, and I was revising mm. about the Chartists for... A collection yeah. and you tested me on the six points which you I still know and i probably all i can remember is
0: Let's see how many can we do between us
1: so <laughs> i feel like the podcast audience will not care
0: about this they story. are obsessed <laughs> with the tactics <laughs> yes, that's one thing i know about them okay this is all you get letters about universal, universal elections. elections yeah it's the only one i can remember oh, so can annual elections uh, no property qualification salary for mps secret ballot and a sixth one
2: i'm not embarrassed
0: why not? Yeah. Oh, equal we parliamentary districts. Par- yeah, there you go. There we go. The cha- pro-Chartist section of our audience are thrilled. Now, uh, Woo, Chartism. <laughs> We're so current. Oh, no. my gosh. <laughs> like, on, but we on said politics. Pulse. We didn't
2: say which era. No, exactly.
0: So. <laughs> I've never read a novel about Chartism, nor would I, I don't No, well, there it probably
2: is one. Probably, there, there must be. There are plenty of novels be. about Chartism. I'm sure there are, are but
0: have those. I read them? I don't know. I've not read Middlemarch. Oh, <gasps> really? Mm, I still haven't you know to the two? I, well, I started it for an essay and then I didn't finish it, so I didn't write it's about it. It's very long. It. To it's be too fair. long. It's, I mean, long. you don't like a book. I don't book, like a long so book. Don't I don't know. like a book where the main character doesn't appear for a hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you've read Emily Eden though; she writes about pre-Chartist election. Did she? In oh, she the did didn't she? Yes, or right. the Savage detached House—I forget which one—um, one. which is really interesting as well because you see what elections were like before rotten boroughs were mm. abolished. So you would have had just one person who was eligible or who. You'd had about five people who could vote in a particular area,
0: and like everyone in England, I know about this from Black Blackadder. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you've got cities like Manchester that had nobody. Um, so yeah, very interesting. So I, I love 19th century novels, as we know, mm. um, and we were just talking about this in the last podcast. Last episode, you chose the yeah, 19th century. I did. Yeah. I did choose yes, the 19th that's true. century. Yeah, um, and I do think that there are a lot of really interesting. Um, references to 19th century cultural things and sometimes I have that sort of depressing moment where I think oh gosh when uh, we're all dead and gone and people are reading books from the 21st century all these quaint things they'll laugh about that matter so much to us like Brexit Brexit. yeah, exactly. this is what I keep saying to people when everyone wants to talk about it at dinner parties I'm like you know what in a hundred years time this is just going to be a footnote you know let's not worry about it and that's what I think about
0: that. So, <laughs> well, we should do our decision making. Yeah. Yeah. And Now there are three of us. We can we can actually have an official your books decision mm-hmm. on whether oh, or not gosh, we're going to yes. banish that's all political true. books.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think we asked you. Would you read fiction specifically because it wasn't political?
0: Good point. Uh, sorry, good question. Sorry, I asked the question. Thank you for asking <laughs> yes, me. It is a good question. I'm a which is genius. why I want to know what, what you, you say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would run away from a book if it was marketed as a political novel about political events. But if, like the Emily Eden, like other things, it was a background to more of like a, a you know, novel of manners mm. or something. And because so often those books do have politics running yeah. underneath mm. them, then that I would find a really interesting background. But if it was set in Downing Street or whatever, then I think I would mm. not be particularly interested in yeah. in reading mm. that. And
1: I suppose it just does depend on your your own personal taste. And if you're somebody who does love as i as i was saying sort of political gossip or knowing what's going on behind the scenes of your own Mm, time mm. you would naturally be drawn to it i mean i read andrew marr's book um, Mm. which is a sort of political thriller and not particularly well written (laughs) but because i know that he knows his onions when it comes to like Mm. how these things would work it was really fascinating and so i just would be drawn to that in a way that perhaps he wouldn't be no exactly i didn't even know it existed right exactly i can't even remember what it's called now Puppet. Something. Okay, um, I'll find out put yes. it in the notes. <laughs> no, yeah. Desperate to read Andrew Mar. Servants of the Master. Maybe. Anyway, I can't remember. Those, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas I'm just naturally so. If I saw a book that was set in Downing
0: Street about shenanigans going on, I would absolutely buy it. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, no, noted for Christmas mm-hmm. present. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, well, yeah. Let's go. Let's go one by one. Lorna, political books. Yes, I no, Well, right? I think obviously yes. yes, for yes me. <laughs> Very much, so. Rachel.
2: Well, I I think exactly the same as you do. You just described my thoughts precisely. If it's an explicitly political book about the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes, no. But if it's historical politics, then probably yes. So I'm going to have to say yes, I think. It depends how strictly we define the question,
1: doesn't
0: it? Yes. If if, if we're describing politics very loosely, uh, (laughs) yes. But I'm going to go a bit more purist. And if if we're defining it as about politicians, say, Mm. then no. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay. it really goes, ultimately it wins it's no. it. all yeah. what
1: if it was about a 1930s spinster <laughs>
0: <have to> <laughs> Mrs Harris MP by uh, Paul yeah. Gargo oh, well, which well, I love so even for you there
1: are some <laughs> it's about a
0: Cockney Char lady who becomes an MP no way <laughs> I have read that one in the 60s, 70s it's a whole series of I've books
2: about
0: her I've read the first two but not the others she goes to Russia in one of them she goes to America she goes to, to Paris, Paris. Yeah. Oh, Mrs Harris goes to Paris she gets to Paris in America. so yes that was called Flowers for Mrs Harris in the yes. UK but Americans for some reason in the whole series call her Mrs Harris yeah. well did you Harris. say herbs I think so it's, it's an attempt to be
2: Cockney though oh yes. Mrs Harris Dick Van Dyke study. yes yeah. <laughs> I just want to do that lovely so in the second <laughs> um,
0: again that was a visual ratio. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is launching into the movements of Tim Chimney Chim Chimney Tim chim, 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 chim. I've been
2: teaching vlogs this week to my year really? seven. So oh wow! I, you know, You're I've the last doing... person
0: in the world who should be teaching them. Teach I know, I
2: should. Well, they make their own, it's adorable. Really? Yeah.
0: Have you ever watched a vlog? <laughs> yeah, um, I
3: can't. I'm I I in
2: know, the I know classroom about. to show an example of one. Lovely.
0: Yeah. So in the second half, we are looking at, as I mentioned, George Orwell's Bookshop Memories and Sean um Diary of a Bookseller. Lorna, as someone who has recently, well, sort of recently read Diary of could you yes. introduce us quickly to Uh
1: So it is um, written by a guy who owns uh, a bookshop in Wigtown, which I'm told, uh, Rachel's been there, I have. is the sort of hay on why of Scotland, mm-hmm. although I think possibly with fewer bookshops and is just smaller, possibly. Yes, is, yeah. um And he, it basically is the diary uh, of his two years or so, I think it's hmm. got more, it's more than one year uh, of his time uh, owning the bookshop, what it is like, what the customers say. Um, interestingly each uh, entry starts with how many books have been ordered online mm-hmm. and then how many books he's actually been able to find to fulfil that order and <laughs> you would think that they would be the same but they're very often not which is, is part of the interest of the of the um, diary as well is how much of his business is online these days and how frustrating he often finds it um, and there's also a lady called Nikki who is um, I think a Jehovah's Witness and incredibly idiotic who turns up in her battered old van with um, food that she's got from the Morrisons discount skip um, and uh, discount helps out skip, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, skip no, slash discount the, shelf yes. I'm actually not sure
0: <laughs> not, their, not their primary skip but just...
1: <laughs> and, uh, and sort of helps sometimes hinders but is generally very funny uh, What he writes about mm. her very amusingly uh, and um, a woman called Anna who is his I think in the first book uh, is his girlfriend and is American and kind of comes in and out uh, and then there's a sort of lot of account of things like the Wigtown Literary Festival which he mm. has a big part in organising and the effort that goes into that and the kinds of people that turn up really quite famous authors who are sort of wandering around the shop and his interactions with them as well. So just very gentle but very funny, although there are more poignant moments when, you know, he's finding things very frustrating. And also an awful lot of recording of um the natural world, the, mm. the weather, um, what it's like to live in such a beautiful part of the world. And he is clearly a very outdoorsy person, goes canoeing and walking and sailing a lot as well, um, which is clearly a big part of why he lives in that part of the world.
0: Mm at all lovely thank you very much uh, and we're comparing it with Bookshop Memories which is um, a very short essay by George mm-hmm. Orwell which is a um, oh when was it and written? which he
1: himself actually uses to head he up yes, after after yeah. yes, if, the chapter uh, of the diary
0: yes and indeed uses almost all of it probably I was going <laughs> to say I probably read all of it just yeah. through reading direct of Books. And it's written about the 30s, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. ri- written a bit later. It. I, I don't know if it actually
3: says.
1: Um, and
0: no. um, he, yes, worked in a secondhand bookshop, and it goes to show that things don't change that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically in my cousin the same thing annoying customers and idiosyncrasies of working uh, in a bookshop, and how he's glad he doesn't anymore because it, he thought it might ruin his love of literature um yeah so it, it was very it did make an impression how little things have changed and it does seem like the crowds and bookshops amongst whom we all, all count ourselves of course mm. <laughs> um are a, sort of an undying breed we don't that, we've not yeah. we have not we not moved the times in terms of what the interaction is it's still going in and getting a book and um and this, and very often still the sort of people who go in and say oh it was red and it had a title yeah and he and
1: literally it, says yeah, that and yeah. Sean Biko also talks about someone who comes in and says oh it was blue but I don't remember anything else but, <laughs> so that has completely not yeah. changed um, I hope this isn't us though he said uh, George Orwell writes many of the people who came to us were of the kind who would be a nuisance anywhere but have special opportunities in a bookshop <laughs> <This is brilliant. laughs> um, yes. and decayed people smelling, smelling of old bread,
0: bread crusts Yes, <laughs> well, so, I, I can't really imagine what an old bread crust smells like but... just mildew you in yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: But as I say, in a town like London, there are always plenty of not quite certifiable lunatics walking the streets, yeah. and they tend to gravitate towards bookshops, because it's one of the few places you can hang about for a long time without
2: spending any money.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that is true.
2: It's true, and he, I think Sean Bythel describes that quite well in his book, mm. about the strange and people who come in and you have to, you can't kick them out. And yeah, it's and they, they buy nothing. They buy nothing, they they stink your shop up. Move and things around move things from around, one around, section to another. Move things around, grumpy, rude. <laughs> But at the same it's providing a kind of social service. I guess it's the same as libraries. Mm, And it's nice in a way that people feel that a bookshop is somewhere that's safe and where they'll be accepted and they they can feel free to just go and use the heating and Mm. it's yeah, it's like a public service in a way.
1: I suppose you just have to have the kind of disposition where you don't mind that, and maybe yeah. everybody, every book owner, a bookshop owner, does to start with, and then by yeah,
3: that, really not kill everyone, <laughs> exactly. Certainly they do Press tend rage. to be grumpy. They do, don't yeah. they?
2: Why is but, that? Well, now I've read this, I can kind of understand See why. why. Yeah. Because I mean, I've been in. Um, there's a bookshop on. <coughs> I won't mention the name of the bookshop, but on Charing Cross Road, there are Henry many Bond of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Henry. I mean,
1: media law. I mean, it's going through my head. Right <laughs>
0: Very grumpy
2: I've never had a polite interaction with the the man who works in there, and it's always the same man. You know who you are. Um, <laughs>
0: you he is and, so rude. And
2: I just kid. think, you know, I'm I'm being perfectly polite. I'm mm. not asked you any horrible or annoying questions. I've come in for exactly what I want. I've gone essentially, right. You would be the dream customer. I am, you have I know, a genuine you know, theory. I understand and you're how alpha- in your yeah. alphabetization works. I've gone and figured it out for myself. Um, but it's, I've also met some lovely, lovely booksellers, but now having read that book, I can understand why you would become hardened to <clears> people <throat> in general and just not really want to interact with them. Because I guess really, if you become a bookseller, you want, you're interested in books, you're not necessarily interested in people.
1: Right. And it is still a business at the end of the day. Yeah. you still got to- make some money and, it and must it's be not frustrating. easy to do yeah and I mean Orwell says and I think this is the same that you know people think it's so romantic you know it's so easily pictured if you don't work in one as kind of paradise where charming old gentlemen browse eternally among calf-bound folios <laughs> and actually he says really bookish people are, are pretty rare and yeah. actually most of the people you get in there are time wasters and you know <laughs> yeah. people who don't really know much about books
0: I did once work in a secondhand bookshop. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. Were you grumpy? I was charming. <laughs> well, it helped that nobody ever came to the bookshop. <laughs> right. So it was during the summer of my A-levels, so I basically... So where was, was this bookshop? It was in Pershaw, right. in Worcestershire. Uh, it was, it's called Ian K.P. Books, still running to this day. I drove right? past it mm-hmm. recently. I don't think the window display has changed since then. <laughs> uh, and it was in... It was quite a long way out of Pershaw, at least... You know, it'd be a good ten-minute walk, and in a residential area, so you wouldn't get passing so n- trade. No passing trade. Most people probably wouldn't even bother walking down there, and extremely limited stock. But I loved working there <laughs> because I just got to sit and revise my A levels and get paid for oh, it. Well, I that, that is
1: pretty good. So, it. although would that mean that you were annoyed when a customer came in and interrupted your nice revision, like, mm-hmm. learning yeah. the six points of the charters? Well, yeah, <laughs> that clearly works.
0: Though, so. <laughs> I'm um, yeah. thinking about Henry Ford books or the you know the bookshop we're not naming or whatever <laughs> I did once ask him if they had any E.M. Delafield books and he said oh no there's no demand I think I'm what? literally the asking for it right now <laughs> like li- I would have bought it they don't actually
2: did. have a very good selection in there and they've got um, they've got a lot of, of books that are very expensive with mm. in my opinion no real reason to be that expensive but then again having read this I am that person who i mean i having been to to Sean's shop which no, is very nice, I, I think so yeah um he must be a bit of a minus 11 now yeah well did that's what i was thinking yeah. i was like gosh i bet there's people who just come in here to, yeah. Yeah, to sign the book yeah or you know take a photo or whatever that i'm not sure he would do that um and, you from, know the shop no. was nice but again like i saw some things in there and at the time thought oh it's a bit you know i didn't really want to spend that much on that Um, And now having read the book, I think, oh, well, you know, now I'm that person who's like, well, I can get it cheaper on Amazon. I mean, Mm. I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking I'd get it cheaper in London because I've got more options here. Mm. Right. But actually, it's not about the cost of the book. Mm. You have to think about now I think, you know, actually, if I want to support people like him who are running essentially a public service, then I need to pay for it, and I feel bad because I didn't buy anything in his shop. Great. But uh, he didn't really have anything that I wanted. Right. I think that's right. It was interesting what you were saying about E.M. Delafield and
1: the mm. demand thing. Because I'm pretty sure there's a, an entry where he talks about having decided not to stock something, and then someone comes oh, in and yes. asks for it, and that is and that must be frustrating, actually, no. so yeah. as a bookseller. And then so then you
2: get in ten of them, and then no yeah, one, no no one, one
1: buys it. So. I mean,
2: how can you ever know what right. people are going to want? I mean, though, I do find it very interesting. That um, it's the railway books that sell. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. Well the only is...
0: times I've ever heard people ask for a section, it's either railways or war. Yeah. yeah. War. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or military they probably call it. Yeah. Right. Um, it's but...
2: very interesting actually. My parents live in Tunbridge Wells and there's a huge bookshop that it just sells books about aeroplanes. Oh wow. And it's yeah. huge. It's like no, a like double he would, and
1: trains. He loves yeah. railways. Double too.
2: fronted husband. bookshop. Mm. And I've never seen anyone in there, so I've assumed <laughs> I assume most of his business friend. is online. online. All that. Um, but I just thought, wow, now that is that yeah. is specific, but, think but there's, really there's demand. Is there a, a, a sort of aeronautical industry nearby? That no, you mean none at all. all. It seems to mostly be stuff to do with armies and right. airplanes.
0: So that is the Tarmac trails isn't yeah. There's probably a lot of retired.
1: retired I was going to say it was possibly also a demographic with a bit of disposable income yeah. Yeah. that would spend mm-hmm. them yeah, yeah. spend that on. Books they interested
2: in. I mean, I have to say, I always enjoy browsing the railway section. Well, of course, so. you love your oh. you viaducts. Yeah, I do. Oh, really? Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, wow. Um, we, what you were saying about um, things, it was interesting. Mm. I can't remember if it's in this one or the, the sequel he wrote called Confessions for Bookseller, which is very similar, where he says that. So people always want to come in and haggle in a way that they mm. wouldn't, you know, buying a cauliflower or something. I've never haggled yeah. in a
2: bookshop though. i, never. I no, it wouldn't occur
1: to yeah. me, I must yeah. admit. I've done it. I'm terrible at haggling generally
0: yeah. for anything, so. I, I did do it over email a bit when I was about 16 and didn't really have any money, I would say. like, and, oh. know, and They're generally quite happy to do it, but it, you think it's, you're, you're paying what you know? Go and say it's six pounds. You want it for five pounds or something, and it's the, their profit margin's not massive. You've just yeah. just just pay it. I, I think you would just do it for the something. sake of, yeah. for the fun yeah. of handling
1: as well, or just for the sake of being yeah. able to say, "Oh, I got it for a pound uh, off."
0: Yeah. That's why I read um. I think it's called Old Books, New Friends. I can't remember, but this, these old ladies who became book dealers when they were relatively advanced in years, and I I didn't really like it because it was basically them saying we managed to get this book for much less than it was worth and then we sold it for loads of money I think it's not really book lovers and we talked about no. that in our sort of first mm. editions versus worst editions um, mm. thing. people who want a book to how much it's worth not, not my kind of people mm.
1: but perhaps often some people you own and he talks about this as well I think if you own a bookshop you do suddenly have to become a sort mm.
0: of well, that yeah. person yeah.
1: and be as much interested in the edition and the binding mm. and, and the condition of it as the contents in fact much more so, really. Yeah. And that must be quite strange. And perhaps you, you'd run a better business or a more successful business if you were able to be hard-nosed about. Yeah.
0: Um, if you didn't like books at all. Exactly, and yeah. you weren't
1: bothered about the ideas or yeah. the literary merit, and it was literally only about what was valuable.
0: He's very funny about customers trying to sell him books yes. as well. Yes. And <laughs> he, invariably, well, the ones he writes about at least, just tat, and they mm. won't believe it's tat. and mm. they think it's yeah. Um, he's just very funny in general about people. He's quite... Um,
2: Unkind Psychic. in some ways, yeah.
0: yes. I'm <laughs> just on the right side of mean, I think. Yeah.
2: But, um, I really liked his comments about going to get books from people who died mm. and about how those books were what they'd left behind and you could tell a lot about their personalities. I found that quite moving and sad to mm. think all yeah. those books are going to be split up. Because sometimes mm. I go to bookshops and I find the same book plate. Mm. Mm. Yes. of books and yeah. think, oh, someone's is library. Someone's, someone's died yeah. and I feel bad that I'm buying one or two from a wider thing I think oh, I've separated them yeah. and all that legacy will be become... Yeah.
0: do you ever think about your, what happened to your works when there, so? <laughs> um, <do> you died know yourself <laughs>
2: I'm
0: sitting surrounded
2: by them right now yeah, like you a haven't.
0: mausoleum <laughs> <laughs> you can just leave them to me
2: but presumably, you're you presuming here that I'm going to die before you. I'm right, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> wouldn't have any tea while he's arrived, <laughs> so gonna in it. <laughs> you're going to outlive me, aren't
0: you? Yeah. Um, so you're
2: like, no. going to be crushed by your books. That's what's going
0: to happen. You well,
1: know? on the cheery note, I think that is one of the joys of <laughs> of secondhand books mm. yeah. is that they do have a, a history and a story, yes. don't they? And, and that's why people get romantic, particularly mm. about secondhand bookshops, because you're not just—it's not like going to Waterstones where it's it's a product yeah this is something with a with a backstory and a, a mm. genuine a smell and mm. a memory and you know i think he i think it's possibly in confessions of a bookseller where a cust- he's quite disparaging about a customer who picks up a real book and says oh if these pages could talk <laughs> which is a bit cheesy but actually yeah that's yeah, sort of kind of the point of, of a secondhand book business isn't it is that there's a there's a history to it
0: it's interesting um, what George Orwell writes towards the end of that essay about how he doesn't think it can ever be taken over by you know conglomerates yes. and big businesses. I underline that and
1: put yes. nick- no. <laughs> an exclamation
0: exclamation mark. No, around. exactly.
1: And yeah. yeah, I suppose if we compare <coughs> it the two, then yeah, we were talking about the similarities, but actually the differences. That is perhaps one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah. He sort of. I think he says, <coughs> "I don't see why anyone couldn't always make a reasonable living from mm-hmm. this. You're just mm-hmm. never going to get rich." No. But actually, as we know secondhand bookshops have been closing at a rate of knots for years now and actually it is very hard and the ones that succeed as sean Beithel talks about are the ones that have some kind of gimmick or mm. yeah. um variety or sideline yeah, side line. yeah exactly
0: yeah. Is, yeah as you say he puts the amounties in the tail at the end of oh each gosh, entry and some it's, of it's
1: just mm. depressing yeah
0: sometimes it's like you know 20 quid or something
1: and three customers all day yeah, yeah. Because he also, that's right, every entry says how many customers have come into the shop.
2: It's really Um, interesting, isn't it? And also the number of online orders he gets versus stuff in the shop. And Mm. it's interesting as well because he talks a lot about Amazon and how Amazon has changed the way that he has to do business but at the same time he also acknowledges that he wouldn't be able to survive without it mm. so it's a tricky position to it's be in this horrible
1: yeah. I think and he, he clearly hates having to be in hock to Amazon as yeah. much as he is and also this system called Monsoon which I think is what yeah. gets mm. the orders in mm. or something which is based in Portland so not you know nine hours away yeah. time wise and every time anything goes wrong he has to call them and, or email them and wait for them to get back to him so it must just be incredibly frustrating as a as a way to run a business
3: yeah.
1: but equally
2: it is the business yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so much more complex than you realise mm, all of the more. things that he's got to, he's constantly got to have loads of different threads of income and spreading his books over and all, a lot of his books aren't there and they're in a warehouse or they're in a friend's mm. house and and I I love that bit where it, people order and then you see that he hasn't been able to find one yeah. of the books and it's
0: amazing how seldom he does like right. and he does he's talk about how Nikki them.
2: reshelves things in the oh. wrong place no. and that
1: means that he generally can't find them well,
0: Nikki is amazing she <laughs> is amazing, no this <laughs> is the
1: thing and yeah. You, you can't
2: say a word again. He, clearly he thinks so too because
1: yeah. otherwise she wouldn't still be working there. <laughs> exactly. And
2: that's what I love about it as well, that sense of the sheer characters. Yeah. And I know every time I go into a bookshop in, in London, I'm, you just see... The kind of the person who's hovering in the corner, doing something, looking slightly eccentric. I'm like, there he is. Yeah, yeah. Always the there's always one. one. <laughs> and I think lots of people think that about well, me. <laughs> I am you, a shot see and then you are that
3: character.
1: But yeah, I wondered about going back to the grumpiness. Whether sometimes as well, because it is a bit of a stereotype now. And you think of Bernard Black and Black Books as well, and mm. maybe. To some extent, owners know that customers expect that, so mm. they don't yeah. make any attempt to hide. I mean, think about that Sponsor. guy in Washington,
3: oh, after yeah. Hillbills. Oh, I went there. Yeah, which
1: is an amazing place. But i um, part of the sort of lore of it is this guy who owns it, who's incredibly rude and grumpy. Yeah. and opens what, when he feels like guy. it. The old guy. He was yeah. so nice to me. Oh
0: well, there you go. I think maybe yeah. it's a different old guy
2: now. He sold it. Oh, yeah. has he sold it? I went,
0: went to like a community yeah, cooperative or something. Oh. I think
2: because yeah, we would have gone mm. in like twenty fourteen maybe or fourteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: I bought laser bits from there. I bought a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, and it, was
1: and it is a lovely place to browse. Yeah. But you have to get past him at the door. For <laughs> 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 and oh whats he had something about Harry Potter in the window as well. Okay. I don't have any Harry Potter. Don't even bother asking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, I suppose. Sean Michael does a thing where he gets a Kindle and shoots it, oh, yes. and puts it up in the shop, um, and also makes mugs with sort of Death to mm-hmm. the Kindle on, and, yeah. and that's that's a sort of grumpy, funny thing that I guess yeah.
2: people do. And quite you're reading like. on
0: a Kindle, aren't you? I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Gosh, I, what was I, your I
2: thing? borrowed it from my library.
0: App.
1: Yeah. Ah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose this is the thing, as you're saying, that sort of crossover between bookshops and perhaps particularly second-hand bookshops and libraries in in the people probably treat them the same when in fact mm, actually mm. one is still technically a business yeah, yeah. Um, but particularly again he talks about how there's a big upstairs room in the shop which is used for sort of lots of community mm. purposes and things like art classes and dances and yeah. that sort of stuff and he basically lets them have it for free or not very much you know yeah. um so it almost is a library and particularly in a small town like Weak Town where there isn't very much else going on I guess it has to become a bit of a hub in order for the business to survive yeah. anyway
3: really?
2: and I love that side of it as well the fact and I loved his, um, his book club that he does that he sends out around random yeah. Book every month. oh go, yeah and oh, that, that was actually that. he
1: writes about how that sideline is actually one of the things that kept mm. the biz- business afloat in, yeah. in a tough time and if you hadn't done that they would have gone on yeah I, I think my it's friend really Kirsty did it I mean? oh really and it
0: was terrible oh no <laughs> I, I remember two of the books she got the first one was a book called nuclear power and we published in the 70s and oh. she got a baywatch annual uh-huh. so,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh so because i just always assumed there would be at least a
0: fiction a book as opposed thing. to like, yeah like, it seems to be maybe nikki random. sent those ones <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yeah. I think she gave up after a year. Yeah, but I did know someone else who know who had got a few interesting. Right. Things, so I guess it's. It is I think like the idea is role. a brilliant
1: one. Yeah. yeah, you just would have to um, make sure that you kept people's interest enough, and I suppose mm, that's the problem. Right. If it's too, truly random, then you will yeah. get a few yeah. done so.
0: <laughs> By the time, by the time they signed up for a year, so it's, right? Yeah. It's
1: true, they're stuck.
0: <laughs> um, and- I think there's been an upsurge in popularity in that since the book came out. And this mm. new book, yeah, which is almost exactly the same as the first one, yeah. for those who haven't read it, it's just another year and more of the mm. same. Um, but I can't see any reason why he wouldn't just keep publishing them forever. Right, exactly. I mean,
1: yeah. I was thinking about this, what keeps you reading? Because there's not really a plot arc
0: no, particularly. No, no. I
1: mean, he does sort of, for example, with the literary festival, you build up to it a bit because he's obviously preparing for it and then it happens. But um, that's not really why you keep reading. It's just no. it's just funny. And you can, to be honest, you could dip into it. Mm. And actually, I did. I had it in my bag, and I just read a bit on the tube every time. You know, and no. you, you don't have to sort of remember keep a lot of characters in your head or a, a, no. a story arc or anything. So
2: it's just it's lovely, actually. Mm. It's like a, a glimpse into a different life. Yes, and for those that's of what us who really have fantasised a bit about one day having moving to the countryside. Yeah, <laughs> and it was interesting actually because when I was in Scotland on um, a different trip, I wasn't in the same part of Scotland. I went to a wonderful bookshop that was in a quite a small town and it wasn't second hand it was a, just a new bookshop but independent and mm. the woman I got chatting to her at the till and you know buying loads of stuff and she said oh you know I'm going to set up in a couple of years if you're interested and I thought oh, wow. I could be interested well that's wow. how he um, yeah. ended up buying yeah. it basically and it was I thought what a thing. wonderful thing to do because she again had the shop as a kind of community centre she did book clubs she did all sorts mm. of things and I thought what a lovely thing to give to people but yeah. at the same time you know I've the stress of it all, of keeping yeah. afloat. And something that he actually doesn't mention in the book, and I wonder whether it's because it's happened more recently, is is charity shop, charity yes. bookshops, yeah. mm. which have made an enormous difference to second-hand bookshops. Mm. And I think, really, the huge problem with that is that they're not charged any business rates. So they can mm. take cheap rent on prime properties and they're forcing out second-hand bookshops and they're often selling for cheaper. And people think, oh, well, I'll just go to Oxfam. I don't need to, yeah. to buy something from here. Um, and that's and why you have
1: to have the sidelines, I
2: think. Exactly. The, 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 the quirkiness, mm-hmm. or the, maybe yeah. even the grumpy owner that people yeah. sort of love to hate, but, and that's why yeah. they keep going in. And it's... Um, I wonder how, how writing that book has... Is- has helped him I don't know how it much he must would have him. done he must have made quite a bit of although I mean yeah. we would say I'm quite nervous to go in there now <laughs> yes. because he yeah. is so rude yeah. about so many
1: customers But <laughs> well, he wasn't
2: rude. Was rude when I was in there but I mean I would love I'm, I'm surprised that they have sorted of this actually or maybe they have a documentary you know mm. oh true yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> filming randomly mm. I mean though, maybe it's too problematic in that people have to give their permission to be filmed but it could be really interesting to, to just follow him for a day mm. and see no you can just I think mm-hmm. you can put a sign on the
1: door of the shop saying you know things being filmed today and yeah if you don't want to be filmed come let us know yeah although actually
0: the latest gdpr restrictions oh. mean that you can no longer do an opt-out policy it has to be an opt-in oh, oh, oh right there's a little gdpr tidbit yeah. <laughs> well um well we have come over an hour now so we should oh, probably yeah. make yeah. our decision oh. i mean it's not really quite a fair battle <laughs> for no. this
1: um no i suppose um, not
0: but yes, I, I I'll go first this time. I went last, last time. Uh, this was one of my favourite books I read. Whenever I read it last year, indeed, your
1: review of it is in the front it of my very edition. It's, is it? Yes, it it's I quoted my that. shiny
0: new books oh, review, is exciting. quoted. <laughs> just pointing at it here another <laughs> visual for the podcast.
1: <laughs> I tore through the pages, but I well, you should read oh, yeah, <laughs>
0: right. I tore through the pages, but I was also rather sad when it finished. I could have read much, much more. Any bibliophile should race to get a copy. Well, there, there, we go. We go. there we are. So,
1: whatever we said about Sean, we've definitely oh, made yes. up
0: for it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't tell us that they were putting it in they just thought, So no. that was a nice surprise. Um, I think if George Orwell had written a book-length version of his essay, that would also be mm. really wonderful. No, I would have loved I mean, to have read that. that wonder- yeah, it would be amazing. Um, and his, I've read a bit of... I've only, I read of Catalonia, which yeah. is brilliant non-fiction that he's done, so he can definitely do book-length non-fiction wonderfully. But he did not, and so I'm going to go for the longer one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go for the yeah. for
0: you, actually. Well, true, <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: yeah. That's my limits. Um, and I, now I just... I wish I'd read it before I'd visited. That just means I'll have to go back and buy lots well, yeah. of books as, you know, my... My, my atonement yeah. for my awfulness before of shrugging and rolling my eyes at the prices. Sorry, John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I will have to go for it as well. I mean, I, do, I find the Orwell a really fascinating insight into mm. what's the same and what is different, um, and in particularly how he saw book selling as a, as quite a reasonable profession that w- mm. was not particularly mm. under threat. That's a fascinating glimpse into how things used to be. But um, no, ultimately, this has also has got so many real anecdotes and characters in it whereas he talks very much in general mm, without specific mm. um examples and that's what makes this so good
0: lovely so there we go sean gets our seal of approval mm. uh, in the next episode we will do as promised last episode uh, whose body by Dorothy else which i'm thrilled Yay! to start i've got it at the library i'm <laughs> ready oh, to that's, go that's a good start <laughs> um, versus 450 from paddington also published as what mrs migula cutty saw Uh, By Agatha Christie.
3: Um,
0: Thank you very much for being a guest, Lorna. It's been lovely having you. I very much enjoyed it. Do email any topic suggestions or advice questions you'd like answered to books at gmail.com and all the books and authors that we've mentioned are listed at stuckinabook.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. If the idea of a book a month really appeals, that's one of the options from our Patreon. It's not a random book. I will choose it based on my taste and your taste. And that's one of the tiers available at patreon.com forward slash tea or books. Uh, many thanks to everyone who supports the podcast there. In particular, thanks to Michelle, Heather, Liana, Randy, Mark and Elizabeth. We really appreciate it. And thanks for Lorna for being a great guest. Uh, you can see all the books we mentioned at stuckinabook.com. You can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it now. Please rate and review. We love it when people do. And we'll speak to you next time.